Thank you, Dad. You know, that's so true. Uh, there's another video that I saw this week that, where the kids were saying, Dad, I'm going to be selfish and I'm going I'm to do this and I'm only going to think of myself and I need you. I need you to teach me not to be and those sorts of things. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, man, how, how true that is. How true we need our dads to, to uh, lead by example and, and many other things. And we're going to see those as we uh, look at the message today. Um, and, and today, uh, I'm so grateful that uh, my own dad is, is still here. He is uh, still with us. I'm, I'm grateful that he not only knows and loves Jesus, but that he lived that out uh, as an example to me and my brothers and my sister. Uh, and, and I'm so, you know, we don't, we don't know how many days we're going to have left with him, but uh, we will cherish those as, uh, for as long as we can. Uh, and, and we're going to see in 1 Corinthians today and throughout the rest of this letter that faithfulness to God is, is incredibly important. More so than even success in life, or even success in, in uh, things that we do is our faithfulness, our daily faithfulness to God. And that really is something that I learned from my dad. After, after the christening of his baby brother in church, little Johnny sobbed all the way home in the back seat of the car. And his father asked him three times what was wrong. And uh, finally the boy replied, that priest said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home, and I want to stay with you guys. Some of that, of course, is growing up and teaching our children what that really means. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What, what, what does that mean? Now, there was also, and, and I think included in that, is, is grandfathers. You know, because maybe, we maybe we're fathers and our kids are all grown and they've all moved out and, and they aren't necessarily under our wing anymore, but we have constant opportunities to uh, invest in the lives of our grandchildren. And, you know, all of us as grandparents can be a little bit strange and a little bit weird, and we have sort of quirky things that we do, right? I mean, um, I saw a few heads shaking, yeah, and I don't know if you were talking about your own grandparents or about you as a grandparent, but uh, there was a man that went to visit his 90-year-old grandfather in a secluded rural area of the state, probably Lingo, Wyoming, and after spending the night, his grandfather prepared breakfast for him consisting of eggs and bacon. Who doesn't like eggs and bacon, right? Um, and and uh, he noticed a film-like substance on his plate, and he, he questioned his grandfather, are these plates clean? And his grandfather replied, those plates are as clean as cold water can get them, so go on and finish your meal, right? Um, that afternoon, while eating the hamburger his grandfather made for lunch, he noticed tiny specks around the edges of his plate and a substance that looked like dried egg yolk. So he asked again, are you sure these plates are clean? And his, you know, without looking up from his hamburger, the grandfather says, I told you before, those dishes are as clean as cold water can get them. Now don't ask me this question anymore. All right. Later that afternoon, he was on his way out to get dinner in a nearby town. And as he was leaving, grandfather's dog started to growl and wouldn't let him pass. He said, Grandfather, your dog won't let me out. Without diverting his attention from the football game he was watching, Grandfather shouted, Cold water, get out of the way! <laughs> now, I used to say that, actually, to my mother and my father. Why do we wash the plates? We're just going to get them dirty again, right? That would just be gross. Anyway, and uh, 
Anyway, there are those quirky things that our dads do, you know, dad jokes and, and different things like I was thinking when I was reading, first reading that, washing dishes in cold water, why wouldn't you use hot? Of course cold water isn't going to get egg yolk off of a plate, right? Well, cold water just missed a few as well. All right, so turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, And last week, we were admonished by Paul to keep our lives and our focus centered on Jesus Christ. In fact, we saw that the Corinthians and, of course, ourselves many times, um, we can be childish instead of growing up. We We sort of fall into that, I just want easy life. I just, I just want to, uh, to learn the, the milk things, which Paul talked about last week. I mean, milk is good for us, right? Um, but a steady diet of, of only milk as we grow up or only soft serve ice cream would not be healthy. Uh, we saw four illustrations, in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, baby versus adult, planting and watering, foundations and building, and then godly versus worldly wisdom. And, and we have to be so careful, don't we? We, we have to every day be disciplined in, in what we're focusing on and what we're thinking about in life because it is so easy just to sort of float with the current down the river. And, and currently, in our culture today, the current is not headed in a good direction. And we have to be careful. Today, we're going to tackle chapter 4, and we see Paul finish this thought that he started last week on how the Corinthians were viewing Paul and Apollos. He, he kind of sticks with this, um, you know, don't think about us as men in this way. He was correcting their wrong view of him and Apollos and other teachers. Well, if he was telling us last week what the wrong view is, what then is the right view? What is the right view we should have of those who are, are put uh, in, in front of us to teach us, maybe our pastors, maybe our, our Bible study leaders, and I would even say ourselves as those who seek to help people follow Jesus on a daily basis. So we are all, I believe, included in this. So look at verse 1 right there, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and let me begin reading. So then, Paul says, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted or stewards with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. So very quickly, I want to kind of tackle the beginning of this chapter um, and where Paul is touching on the heart of a minister. This could be a someone who is given a charge as a missionary or a pastor. But again, I want to I, I push that a little bit and say that, that Paul is referring to apostles here, but he also we are all called to be ministers. We are all called to help lead people to Jesus, and we need to all have the right attitude as a minister. And Paul says in verse 2 that being faithful is important. Being faithful is important, and that they should, reg- that they should be regarded as servants and stewards. Now, the Greek word for servant here literally means under rower. 
And, and as an under rower, it brings the, the image of a ship with slaves in the bottom who are manning the oars and only doing what they're told to do. And that's exactly what Paul says that they are. They, they only respond to the commands given by somebody in authority over them. And Paul is saying, I am, we are just like you. We, we are servants, we are stewards of this message, and we are doing simply only that which Jesus is telling us to do. We are, Paul says, responsible to God. And, and this short passage is packed, and Paul is talking about ministers, um, and, and there's lots of other things we could talk about, but, but I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here this morning for obvious reasons. You will see that in just a, a moment. But, but we as followers of Jesus have been given the secret things of God that Paul is talking about. And, and it, that is the secret things. What is the mystery? Do you remember? It's the truth of salvation. It's salvation in Jesus Christ. It's been given to us to proclaim. It's, it's important that we serve Jesus as our authority, that, that we are faithful as he trusts us to take this secret, this message that he has given us to others. Those, those friends that we have, those children that we have as parents, those, those students that we have as teachers. And as an authority, being concerned with what God is calling us to. And when we do, like Paul, we can have a clear conscience. Uh, Not innocent, of course. As Paul reminds us, God will be the judge in the end in that way, and he is a fair and just judge. But when we are following Jesus and, and we are humbly submitting ourselves before him, we don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to live a life of guilt. We don't need to fear. We don't need to be afraid of what other people are saying because it's not up to them. You know, God has just really been challenging me uh, in the last couple weeks on, on something that I struggle with often, and that's a judgmental attitude. It's easy for me to look at another person and, and judge them in, in some way, shape, or form. Now, I, I want I want to say that growing up in the home that I did, having the father that I did, this was something that he struggled with, or at least as I grew up with, that he struggled with. We went to a concert one time, and it was a Christian concert, and some of the singers, some of the male singers in the group had long hair. You know where I'm going with this, right? When we were in the parking lot after that, we were talking about it, and and my dad, and, and I don't know if he was joking, he seemed serious. I mean, I'm 18 years old, so I'm taking what he's saying as the gospel truth. Um, he was questioning their salvation because of their long hair. Now, that is the ultimate of being judgmental, right? But uh, what, what God has really challenged me with here in the last, with the last month is uh, he has put a challenge in front of me that has, has been harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, learning, a new, uh, learning a new thing, learning new terms, uh, you know, to pass a test and, and to be able to do something well. And I can't do it well yet, and it's frustrating to me. Um, because things generally come easy to me. I, I don't, I, I, you know, if, if, if I need to fix something or whatever, I watch a YouTube video and I just, I just go do it. And then, and then I, I sort of look at other people and say, well, why can't they do the same thing? You know, you go to a store or a restaurant or a business and the person behind the desk or the counter is struggling. They may be brand new at the job, but they're struggling. And I think in my mind, for crying out loud, really? 
It can't be that hard. But what God has really shown me in the last three or four months is maybe to that person it is really that hard. Because, David, you're not all that great at everything. And I take a step back and I go, okay, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let me try and see them in their struggles in this moment in time. And I think when we do that, I, when I do that, I pass judgment less quickly. And I allow room for them to make mistakes and to learn and grow, just like God has done for me over the years. And, uh, and, and Paul is saying, look, we, we need to have the attitude of a servant. And I think when I have that attitude of, of serving others, instead of trying to hold them to some great high standard uh, that I just made up, honestly, uh, I, I am more loving to them. I am more patient with them. And, and that's just, again, something that God has been challenging me with. Um, so Paul talks about servants and stewards, and then he continues in verse 6, and, and he says things like, uh, um, let's see, let me find it, in, in verse 8, already you have all you want, he's talking to the Corinthians, already you have become rich, you have become kings, and that without us, okay, without us as apostles to be there to teach you. You, you have been given this secret, and, and in, in, uh, in growing up in the word of God, you, you are man, you are kings. You have everything that you would ever want. And then, and he says, but really, how I wish that you really had become kings so that we might be kings with you. For it seems, in verse 9, Paul says, to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. Paul is talking about kings versus paupers here, and it seems to me that he's lamenting a bit at the mission that he's been given as an apostle. I mean, I, I think he's complaining a bit here about the position that he's been given and the role that he's been given in life. He's like, this isn't really that much fun, just to let you know. You know, he, it's not glamorous. He doesn't have a special life. In fact, none of us, he says, should take pride that we are over against anyone else. Paul says that if, if this were a parade... Um, as ministers, and I think this is all of us at, at some point in time when we are serving others, when, when we are hoping to proclaim the good news of the gospel to others, as ministers, Paul says, we'd be at the end of the parade. We, we would be last. He says, like men condemned to die in the arena. And I thought, well, parades that I go to, the one, the one person that nobody really notices and that when they sort of come up the street, everybody just turns and walks away and they get to see the backside of everybody, is the guy running the street cleaner after the parade in Torrington. Right? That's who Paul says, as apostles, as ministers, we are. This, this is a struggle, and, and I, I struggle with this. Paul is emphasizing that as ministers, Corinthians, you need to see us this way. As servants, we are nothing for you to, to hang your hat on and to hold us up on a pedestal. We are just like you, living and growing in this relationship with Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that we all have different gifts and missions to carry out as part of the body of Christ. And if that street sweeper didn't come down the street for the next day or two, it would just be gross, right, on Main Street? After all, those horses went through um, if, if they didn't clean that up. And then Paul goes on, and he continues. I think you're going to see it. He, he's, in verse 10, he says, We are fools for Christ. 
but you are so wise in Christ. Again, focusing on Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. This is the Corinthians he's talking about. He just for three chapters said, you guys are you're infants, you're babies, you need to grow up. And here Paul is talking about them being honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Paul is talking about himself as a minister. And later, uh, in the next uh, eight verses, we're going to see Paul say, imitate me. And we need to have this also in the back of our minds as we, we do that. Apostles were not looked upon too well, I guess. Um, sometimes pastors can get that rep, but all of us, honestly, I think, have one time or another had someone in our life disparage us because of what we believe and who we follow. And we need to just continue to be faithful to Jesus Christ even in the midst of those times, keeping Jesus at the center, abiding in him daily, keeping connected to the vine, and he will give us the strength and the right attitude to handle it. Servants and stewards, kings and paupers. Now, look at the last eight verses. I'm going to go through them sort of piece at a time, but Paul is talking about fatherhood. And, and this is how great God works. I didn't three months ago say, okay, we're going to be on this chapter in Corinthians and this is going to be a great message for fathers because it's going to be Father's Day. I didn't do that. I, you can't give me that much credit. It, God did that and, and lined this up for us today. Uh, but the lives of people we know and meet and invest in, invest time in, are going to be changed because we are diligent and available and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what Paul is showing us in these eight verses here. Now, this doesn't only pertain to men, moms and kids. You don't have to just say, well, this is only talking to dads, okay? Um, though I'm using the term father, and I'm going to relate it to biological fatherhood, what Paul is talking about is being a spiritual father. And that is all of us. Okay, and you'll see why here in a few moments. So, Paul gives us six marks of a good spiritual father. Let's take a look at them. First of all, in your notes, a good father admonishes his children. Paul says in verse 14 right there, I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you. Now, I'm sure the Corinthians, when Paul is confronting them with things, felt ashamed. I mean, I am. When somebody comes to me and says, David, this, this just isn't right in your life. You, are you seeing this? I mean, I feel ashamed in those moments. I feel guilty. I feel bad about that. And I'm sure the Corinthians were feeling that way. But that's not why Paul was, was saying what he was saying. No, Paul says, I, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you. You need to be aware of this. There's this slippery slope that you're stepping on, and if you're not careful, you're going to end up at the bottom. His purpose was to make them aware. And, and as if they continued down the road that looked like them behaving like worldly men, which he said in the first couple chapters, it's not going to turn out well. I mean, the people that we have in our lives who have been a part of leading us in the way of the Lord, we 
we need to allow them to admonish us. Dads, you need to be willing to admonish your children. It seems like we live in a world today where nobody wants to call anybody on anything. It's like, oh, well, just do whatever you want. And then we get offended when somebody says, no, that's not right. We need to be raising our children in, with, with admonishment. We, we need to have conversations with them. We need to talk about things. And, uh, however, we need to be cautious about that. In Ephesians 6.4, Paul reminds us, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So there can be a point where we push too hard, where we begin to, when we begin to quench their spirit. You know, when we, when we talk to our child and they sort of take a step back or they shrink away from us, I think we know that we've probably crossed that line and that we need to be careful as a father. We must not admonish our kids to make ourselves feel better. We must not admonish our kids to show them who is an authority over them and if we're standing over them. We shouldn't admonish our kids so that they feel the pain that we think they should or that we're feeling because of the disobedience or the actions that they're taking. That's not the purpose of Paul's words to the Corinthians. Or should it be the purpose of our words to our own children? It should be to warn and instruct. A good father admonishes his children. Paul finishes verse 4 there with these four words, as my dear children. The word for dear here communicates a, it's a term of endearment. In, in fact, some translations tra- translate it beloved. These aren't just Paul's children. They are his beloved children. See, a good father loves his children. And it's evident throughout the letter of, to the Corinthians that they are not, they're not obedient, they're not being morally upright, they're not doctrinally sound, and they are for sure not mature, but they are definitely loved, and Paul makes sure that they know it. Fathers, we need to make sure our children know that they are loved. Um, in fact, this word here is a, it's a verb, and... Uh, The verb that it comes from is agapeo, which is the strongest kind of love. It's the deepest. That's the word that Paul uses for beloved right there. Dear. It is a love that is determined and willful. Having the one purpose of serving the object of love. Uh, Dads and anyone else who is helping someone follow Jesus, we need to see that person in that sense to be willing to um, understand them, to try and get a feel from where they're at. You know, when we have a child that responds in a certain way, as a parent, we, we need to try and get below the surface and kind of uh, uh, try to come to some understanding of what, what's really going on here. Why are you reacting this way? Why are you, what is going on? And, and we need to be that way with each other, Right? I mean, when you, when you experience someone acting in some way that just seems totally out of character for them, I think we need to dig a little bit deeper so that we can understand what's going on and, and help them. And, and as someone who has someone come to us and say, dude, what is going on here? This just seems out of character for you. We ourselves need to receive that and take a step back and go, okay, what is going on here? Where, where is my head? Where is my heart? 
Sometimes it's just spending time with our kids. You know, or or it, it's, it's really tough, I know, for some fathers who have a son, or even mothers who have a son or a daughter who just doesn't ever say anything. You ask them how they are, and they sort of shrug their shoulders and go, eh, good. Or, or it's all yes or no answers, you know, and so you try to ask questions that aren't yes or no, but somehow they still finagle it into a yes or no answer, right? Some, sometimes it's doing something with them. Go fishing. Take them fishing. Um, you know, help them change the oil in their car or build a shed together or take them out on a date. Go do something and take advantage of some opportunities of that interaction and that relationship to dig a little bit deeper in how God has wired them and who they are. Be gentle with them. Jesus was, Matthew records in chapter eleven twenty nine, gentle and humble in heart. Let's be that way with our children. Let's be that way with those who we are hoping to instruct and help grow and follow Jesus faithfully, just as we hope to ourselves. A good father admonishes his children, he loves his children, and a good father also produces fruit. Verse 15. Now, a biblical word that could be used here is begets, okay, that Paul uses here, or births which is the the context that Paul is saying. And of the six that we see today, I think this is the least transferable to to actually being a father, Um, which which would exclude a lot of us in the room today. Paul says, look in verse 15, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Now, of course, a father, by definition, is a man who has children. Okay, he is the agent of God in creating life. Uh, now, having said that, a man can be a man without having children. A man can be a husband without having children. Okay, but he cannot be a father without having children. Now, Paul is talking about bearing fruit in the sense of of eternal life, spiritually speaking here in this point. And I want us to see that. And Paul is saying that we, we, I have been a tool in the hand of God to become your spiritual father to the Corinthians. I mean, the Corinthians are all followers of Jesus Christ because Paul went there and brought the message. He is, in this sense, and that's what he's saying, their spiritual father. He was the agent of God. Paul says that that you are my spiritual children. You are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, he makes sure that they understand that it wasn't in his power that that this occurred. Paul says that I was the vessel whom God used to bring salvation to you. He didn't claim to have the power to give eternal life. He emphasizes that again when he says right there, in Christ and through the gospel. It wasn't me. I was the agent. I was the tool. I was the instrument. And as followers of Jesus, it is important that we continue to look for opportunities to be that tool in the hand of God as we interact with people on a daily basis. And when we abide in Christ and when we are when, when we are following and trusting and loving and imitating Jesus Christ, 
and others who are doing the same, we will then bear fruit. Others will also be saved. And Paul is saying it's in that sense that I am your father. See, we, Paul says, look, there are many uh, guardians in Christ. And, and we are that as well. If, you're a, uh, if you have someone that you are discipling, that you are helping follow Jesus, you are a guardian in Christ. That's what Paul is talking about. And, and we need to be that for others, and we need others to be that for us. But Paul says, look, there's, everyone only has one father. And uh, one who gives, they have been given life from. And Paul is saying, for you Corinthians, that's me. We need to be available. We need to be faithful in Jesus Christ. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes as that guardian, it's, it's a matter of helping that person just take two more or three more steps towards following Jesus Christ. But, but sometimes uh, in our availability, we are the person that God uses uh, to be with that person when they step from eternity in hell to eternity in Christ and, and receive salvation in Jesus Christ. And oh, what a joy it is to be that person. And we can only be that if we make ourselves available. A good spiritual father bears fruit, Paul says. A good father admonishes, loves, bears fruit, and fourth, a good father sets an example for his children. Therefore, Paul says in verse 16, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Dads, we, we can't pull, moms, we can't pull the wool over our kids' eyes. You know, we cannot, we cannot tell our children or expect them to do as we say, not as we do. It's just not going to work. They're going to see right through it. And they do. They see right through that. And that's the roles that we have as spiritual fathers and as biological fathers. Um, we are to set an example for our children, and I can think of so many ways that we can do this in our everyday lives. So many ways. My dad, Donald Victor Anderson, has been faithful to the Lord his whole life. I mean, as long as I've known him. For 51 years. Um, I, I have a few pictures here. That is my dad right there holding that adorable little infant, which is me, of course. Um, but uh, go to the next one, Roy. You know, my, my dad, uh, Dick, was, Dick Young was probably on this trip with my dad. That's in Jackson Hole. They were hunting elk. Um, I mean, he was a man's man. This was, I'm, I'm not sure what church, pro this actually might have been ours here. I don't know uh, for sure. No, that wouldn't have been ours here. But uh, you know, Dad, Dad served. We, I went with him when I was in junior high. We went to uh, St. Croix for two weeks, and all we did was mix and pour concrete for a church that, that Converge was building in St. Croix. Uh, he lived as an example before me. It, th that was at a camp in Arizona, I think. This next picture, if this is the one. Okay, this is in Pascalula. I think that's Alabama just across the border from Mississippi, just after Hurricane Katrina. Dad went on that trip with us. Some of you were on this trip uh, as well, and we were putting new wood around the, a sanctuary of a church that had flooded because of Hurricane Katrina. This was, um, you know, he doesn't look it, but I think Dad was like 84 or 85 in this picture. 
um, standing on a roof, putting shingles on or tin on a roof at a Christian camp in Arizona. Um, this was, uh, this is my dad, right? This was in 2006 when I graduated from seminary and they did a thing here at the church and, uh, and then go to the next one. And then this one right here, this was every Christmas, every Christmas, dad would read the Christmas story. It was the first thing that we did after dinner, after the disgusting loot fisk that he made me eat. <laughs> that was mostly my mom, actually, and she wasn't even Swedish. I, I've never have really understood that, but, um, you know, my dad, like I said earlier, wasn't perfect. There were things that, that he struggled with, too, that I saw. But he was real, and he lived his life and as an example before me. And that's, that's what I want to be. As a father, as a, as a grandfather, I want to live my life as an example to my children. And, and we can only do that if we ourselves are investing in learning the Word of God. Dad, every, every morning, did devotions with us as a family. Every, every morning. That was just what we did. It didn't matter if we were on vacation, if we were in another state, if it was Sunday, we were in church. We found a church to go to. On Sunday mornings, it was church, it was dinner with family and friends, it was choir practice, and then it was church again every Sunday morning. I mean, he didn't, he gave me one piece of advice when I went off to college. Many of you know this, I've told you this before. He said, David, one piece of advice. Don't ever stop going to church. He said, because when you, when you don't go once, it'll be that much easier the next time and the next time. And you know what? It's not about going to church, checking that box. It's about hearing the word of God on a consistent basis. It's, a, it's about continually learning. And dads, it's, it's got to be us. I mean, moms are important too, but, but our kids need to see us leading them spiritually. So fathers, both spiritual and biological, let's take the steps necessary to live lives that set an example for our children. Uh, because, honestly, just to close out this point, if we're living by the motto of do as I say and not as I do, we're living a hypocritical life. We just are. Let's instead live lives that will be a positive thing to imitate, as Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to do regarding himself. A good father admonishes, loves, produces fruit, sets an example, and also teaches his children. Uh, verse 17, I am sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love and who he's taught and invested in, by the way, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul says, setting example for our children pertains to how we live and teaching pertains to what we say. In our relationship with our children and those who we are helping follow Jesus, we are to remind them. We are to talk about this. We are to teach them when we get up, when we go to bed, and all throughout the course of the day. Teach them the way of life in Christ. Part of this, of course, is learning ourselves, right? 
as a follower of Jesus Christ, learning God's word. Let's, let's teach our children these same truths that, that we are learning. Let's be intentional ourselves to learn and remember and then teach our children. I've heard some dads say, well, I can't teach my children because I don't know that much. Well, don't just throw up your hands and say, well, I don't know that much. I'll never learn anything. Take initiative and learn something. Take a step. Pick a book. Read the book of James. Read the book of Mark. Just start. And as you submit, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Let's teach our children truth. Let's be intentional. Let's teach them how much God loves us. Let's teach them how powerful he is, how, how big of a sacrifice Jesus made for us. Let's teach our friends that. Let's teach our children that. Jesus actually lived. He, he was born as a child, lived the perfect life, was, submitted himself to death on the cross, and then three days later rose again, was seen by hundreds of people, and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. What an amazing Savior we have. And then finally, a good father disciplines his children. Look at verse 18. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. I, I think Paul has sort of got his tongue in his cheek here a little bit. But I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer, Paul says? Shall I come to you with a whip or in love and with a gentle spirit? Now, disciplining our children is, is not fun to say the least. It's hard. Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult decision sometimes as parents, maybe to come into agreement of how or when, uh, that sort of thing. But we must. I remember one of my nieces, she was like three. And I was sitting in the back row of the church and she was being naughty. I don't know what she was doing, but uh, my brother-in-law gets up with her. He's got her in his arms and he's walking behind the chairs behind me and getting ready to go out the double doors of the sanctuary and down the stairs. And as he's walking back, she yells at the top of her lungs, Don't spank me, Daddy! Don't spank me, Daddy! So they had to make a decision. <laughs> um, so then they started spanking her when they got home. You know how hard that is? To tell your child, okay, here's what you did wrong, and, and you're going to be spanked when we get home. I've done that before. Blah. It's awful. It's a, it's a, part, of, it's a part of disciplining. We, we need to decide and determine what what the expectation is, what the consequence is, and then we actually need to do it. No idle threats. Paul, Paul is saying, look, <laughs> I just, this just kind of cracks me up, actually. That verse 21. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip or in love and with a gentle spirit? So here's the thing Paul's saying. Are you going to learn and grow in what Timothy is bringing to you? Are you going to become... Are you going to start growing again and become adults instead of just children, okay? Obeying 
what I've taught, what the Word of God teaches you, are you going to grow so that, when, so that you're doing that and, and you're free from guilt and all of that, not innocent, but, but free from shame, and when I come, it's going to be a time of joy and peace and you're going to actually look forward to becoming. Or are you going to continue in the way that you're going and when I get there, I'm going to have to break the whip out and whip you into shape? It's kind of what he's saying. I mean, have you ever been there, right? You did something wrong. You know you did something wrong. Um, you haven't faced the music yet, and you were sitting at home by yourself waiting for your parents to get home. <laughs> I can remember specific moments in time when that happened. And those are not fun moments. It's a lot more enjoyable and a lot more peaceful when you're sitting at home kind of all innocent, and there's nothing that you have done to disobey your parents. You know, Paul is saying, look, you need to take this being faithful to God seriously. And may we all see that as a challenge. You know, be willing to say, what are the things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me today, and what am I going to do about it? Am am I going to grow up? Am I going to take steps to mature in my faith and my my walk in following Jesus Christ, or am I just going to sort of get used to the guilt and the shame and just do whatever I want? Paul says, what do you prefer? Because at this point in time with the Corinthians, it's, it's, their, it's their call. It's their call. So, dads, moms, husbands, wives, friends, family members, kids, let's, let's, let's learn from God's word. Let's... let's put our hearts out there on the table for God to, to review and for, for our friends and our family and those who love us, let's give them permission to admonish us. Let, let's give them permission to love us. Let, let's con- give them permission to, to teach us. And, and as followers of Jesus Christ, let's ourselves bear fruit, be the, the tool in the hand of God to father new spiritual children, and let's live as an example. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are patient with us. Help us to be patient and help us not to be judgmental of others. Father, help us, help us to submit ourselves to you and to, to grow in you and to learn from those experiences that you give us every day. And help us also, Father, to be patient with others that we come into contact with on a daily basis. It might even be today in a crowded, busy restaurant uh, with a waitress who is struggling to keep up with the number of people she's trying to serve. Lord, help us to set an example to our children as they see us interacting with others as well. For one another, oh God, Thank you for your son Jesus and the salvation that we have in him. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for this church family. And Father, I pray that you would continue to challenge us and strengthen us, that that, that we wouldn't be a church gone wrong, but we would be a light on a hill and individual lights throughout the county and the state for people to see how much you love them. And now, Father, as we give of our tithes and our offerings, as we close the service, as we uh, worship you and open our hearts to you to speak to us, and as we honor you with our voices, um, 
I pray that, that, that we would not forget, forget quickly what you have taught us and challenge us with here this morning as we leave the doors. And, and I pray too, Father, that though it's a simple thing, a soft serve ice cream cone, I pray, Lord, that, that you would give us, uh, that you would help us to honor our dads today. In Jesus' name, amen.